International Lift this afternoon. Uh, before I do that, uh, I do want to welcome uh, uh, Ben and Nicola and Ellen Brady from the Sister Church in Edinburgh. Welcome back. Amen. They, of course, were part of our congregation a while back, and it's always great to see uh, old friends and uh, to welcome them uh, back. Uh, and we had a great time visiting the Edinburgh Church. Uh, I know the Brady's did a great job for years leading that congregation, and we're excited to be partnering up with the churches in Scotland here in Birmingham. Uh, it's just great to have you guys here, and definitely great to be just a church family, isn't it, uh, within the U.K. Um, yeah, we're going to start up uh, our, our third of, of, of four talks on this theme um, of generational lift. Uh, last week, uh, we, we, we had the theme, of course, of lifting up the old. Uh, we really wanted to recapture the faith of the early days of our church and of the early days of Christianity. Everyone's early days of Christianity is exciting. It's, it, it's so full of faith. Um, we talked about reducing it, you know, simplifying it, reusing it, and recycling it uh, so that the oldest of us spiritually to the youngest of us have this, this strong, ancient faith that is alive uh, and well. And so today, uh, we're going to focus on the theme of lifting up the young. Uh, my slides are a little bit off here, so let me get to uh, the proper slide here. There we go. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, focus on this theme of lifting up the young. Uh, our church, you know, we have a, 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 you know, look around. It's not, all, it's not all, you know, gray and balding heads in the crowd here. We have some young people among us uh, as well. Uh, amen. <laughs> And uh, we want to, as a church, uh, continue to embrace that youth. You know, as I always like to say, we've got we've to stay young as we get old in the church. And that has a lot to do with the, with the next generation that comes up, uh, the children of the first members of our church, uh, the new converts, that they have a strong and sincere faith as, as, as the very first members, some of the mission team members and early converts we heard from um, last week. Uh, but we all know today young people can get a bad rap, right? Uh, the, you know, the millennial generation, as it's called, uh, you know, but, but what's interesting is, is all generations, for what we might think is the greatest to, to, to the, the current one, they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses, right? Uh, and there's a little video here I wanted to play to start out uh, to kind of remind us of that very notion. Let's watch. The lights don't need to be dimmed. It's, it's quite simple. Um. <laughs> Stop whinging and work hard like the rest of us. That's bad. The most obnoxious, self-entitled, lazy and willfully ignorant generation ever to pollute the surface of the earth. The me, me, me generation. That's not true. And that's upsetting. There are a lot of stereotypes. We're lazy. Entitled. Unambitious. Disloyal. Disconnected. I'm the founder of Stand Tall, which is an organization that helps women and girls get back on their feet after they've been in an abusive relationship. Starting one of the largest college safety apps in the U.S. that has over a million users. I've raised nearly one million dollars for children with serious illnesses. I want to dedicate my space trip to every single person who suffered from mental health issues. I started my own business at the same time as completing my GCSEs and now A-levels. Words that come to mind when I think of millennials. Opportunity, hope, ambitious, driven, passionate, always looking for the next solution, universal, want to make the world a better place, tenacious and versatile.
understand. And so that's a great video, I think, that reminds us of the, the labels, the stereotypes of the millennial generation. But the reality is a lot of them are changing the world and making it a better place. Uh, and within the church, we want to make sure that that generation, uh, which is really the second generation of our church as we enter into our 30-year uh, anniversary next year, that they really have a voice and that we really allow them uh, to really make a difference in the church uh, and in this world. So I've asked five brave millennials in our church to come on up front here. Uh, you know who you are at this time to uh, just answer a few questions for us uh, uh, on kind of their vision for the church and what they would like uh, to, to, to communicate to the church. And so without further ado, please come on up. I don't know why you're all being so shy. The five that I've asked, you should know who you are. Just take 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 the hot seats here. They're probably just nervous. Um, but yeah, what I, what I'd like to do is uh, uh, Roy has the mics here, and uh, we'll share them. Uh, we'll share them here. And uh, last but not least, uh, we could just maybe start out. Introduce yourself. Um, how long? Introduce yourself. How long you've been a Christian? Um, and uh, lastly, what, what what are you doing in life right now? You know, what what occupation, school, what you know, whatever you're doing. So we'll start with that. We'll start here on on my right. Uh, I'm Jason, and I've been a disciple nine years now. And I'm a, a game developer. Um, I'm Amy. I've been a disciple for a year, and I'm in my last year of sixth form. So I have a job as well. So <laughs> yeah, I do work. Um, I'm Andrew, um, and I'm a final year politics and writing student, and I'm coming to three years in uh, Christ. Good idea. <laughs> My name is Chids, um, and I have been inside for six years um, and work in leadership development. I'm Matt. I've been a disciple for five years, and I'm a third-year University of Birmingham student. Okay, great. Well, thank you for participating. Um, I, I sent these guys questions ahead of time this week uh, that they could think about, um, and, uh, and I definitely feel that um, it's great to uh, really engage each other. As we talk about generations, it's really important that we that we really listen to each other, that we really ask each other questions, young and old alike. Um, and so one of the first questions I asked these guys to think about and to share with us here in a moment, and again, they're not all necessarily going to share, um, but as many as can in our time. Uh, the first question was simply, as a, as a younger person of faith, because these are all you know, you know, late teens, 20s, or late 20s, and professionals on down to you know, uh, uh, college students, um, what do you most appreciate about our church? Because I think it's important... Uh, for, for the older generation to realize that, that this younger group really does appreciate the church uh, that they're in. But yeah, any, any, anything on, on there for you guys that you really wanted to share on your hearts, I want you to just appreciate about the Birmingham church. Start with that. Yeah, Matt? One of the main things I appreciate is just the deep level of friendships we have. Um, just how those friendships are sort of across all backgrounds and all ages. Um, so yeah, I think just the vulnerability that you can have with people in this church um, the way we have like discipling groups and so we can just be honest with each other um, I think it's definitely it's different to other churches and also just you know general society oh, I know. So, yeah. so the relationship aspect of it Chids. Um, I think one thing that I particularly appreciate from the church where I came from was just the fact that it's all nations um, and the fact that you can be together with people who you wouldn't necessarily have grown up around potentially um, people who are coming from different walks um, and so I feel like it helps me to understand God better because I have different 
perspectives from other people. Uh, and similar to Matt, I think just the opportunity to be family um, reminds me of the scripture which talks about how God puts the lonely in families um, and to be able to be a part of God's kingdom and to be able to be that close um, as you would describe family. Great, thank you. Anybody else want to share on that first question? Jason? Um, I personally appreciate the patience and perseverance um, of the church um, and just the genuine love and also the prayers is, um, yeah, I personally um, appreciate that. And you, and you've been a part of the church for, as a baptized disciple for nine years, yeah. but you, you grew up in the church here, here mostly in Birmingham. What, what year did your family move here to Birmingham? I think it was 1998. 1998. So you've been here, you've been here a long time then, and now you're one of the professional singles in our church. Okay, great. Anything else on that first uh, question? We'll move on to the second. Um, thank you for that. And, and it's interesting, even what I'm hearing you share, I think, what, what are young people looking for? They're looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose. They're looking to change the world. They're looking for family. Uh, and, and it's amazing how God has designed the church. The church is all those things. It's all those things. So it's, it, you know, maybe young people today don't realize where they can find that or that they can find it in the church. But as a church, the more we have that strength, the more I think we become attractive to a, a, an unsaved population and even an unchurched population uh, that we have here in the UK. Uh, and so that, that's awesome that you guys already see that in the church. Uh, and, and hopefully young and old, that makes it excited to, to invite people out to um, our, our, our different activities. Uh, the second question was, how can we build greater connections between the generations in our church? You know, how can we bridge that gap between the young and the old better in our church? Does anyone have some thoughts on that? Andrew? Um, um, that I, I said yesterday, I've heard it, but uh, uh, what I really am grateful for is the fact that we all have one Jesus. Amen. And um, what really helps then is I, I don't feel afraid then to, to approach you know, people who I don't speak to, you know, people from you know, the older generations because we're all, we're all united by Christ. And so that really helps because well, we all look at Jesus and, you know, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, about Jesus, you know, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And we look to him and we all look towards him. And when we strive towards that, uh, we then are united. And that means we can build greater connections between each other. And it's, it makes it so much easier because it just means that we just have to look towards Jesus and make it all about him. And that way we become that family, which has no divisions between the generations. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, you know, that if we're all really focused on Jesus, of course, young and old uh, and, and in between, we're all going to kind of head toward him. Is there anything particular you guys think that the, the, the older part of the congregation can do, though, specifically to help actually foster more of that? Because I like that idea, but how do we, how do we, how do we work on that? Any thoughts on that uh, based on what Andrew's sharing? Uh, Jason, go ahead and then Matt. Yeah, Hopefully so, the mic will work. Um, I, I believe that you should um, embrace the differences and not, not try to ignore it or hide, okay. or hide it or just pretend it's not there or just try to make everyone the same, but embrace the differences. Okay. Um, because when I became a, a Christian, um, there was nobody in Birmingham my age, so I spent a lot of time with older disciples. Okay. And that was definitely... Like, we had fun. Like, I had fun. I definitely laughed. And also, I got some really good, like, advice as well from the other right. disciples because they have experience, like, right. from Derek Edmondson, from Ken White. And um, and so, and that that advice has actually helped me to this day. It's like, I've, I've thought back, I've, th- I've thought, like, things like, you know what, maybe 
I should do this, or maybe I shouldn't do this, maybe I should give up on this. Then I think back on, no, he said, if you do that, you may become resentful of the church, so it's best to do something like this. So I decided, okay, I'll do that, and still here, you know. So it's definitely good to embrace those differences rather than ignoring them. Right, right. Sometimes we're uncomfortable, right? We don't... I don't speak their lingo. I don't. I don't dress the way they dress, or I. I don't. I don't get older people. I. I don't get younger people. But. But rather than be afraid of that, we should learn to appreciate that and, and celebrate that diversity. That's. That's a great point. Thank you, Jason. Matt, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, I think hospitality is quite a good one. But for instance, this week Scott invited me around to his place, which was nice. Got some free food. Um, <laughs> feed <laughs> but, um, us. The young people say, "Feed us." I think that's yeah. pretty. That's a universal, I think, belief amongst young people. Yeah. If you want to feed us, we're, we're, we're instantly already closer to Jesus and you if you feed us. Yeah, so yeah, it was good. Like, it was just good to chat in a relaxed setting, just to talk about the history of the church, to talk about current things, just to connect and share stories. And yeah, like, I think hospitality is a great way to especially connect with the young people. Um, and also, I think maybe having more kind of older mentors for the young people ah. so obviously I'm from my parents are disciples so it might not be so applicable to me but like for people especially who have become disciples recently who are young to have like an older mentor figure like a father figure who can help them um, and just sort of guide them through life I think right. could be really helpful right. thank you any other thoughts on that before we move to the next question Amy our youngest member of the panel yeah hi um, I think just like going on from like the hospitality thing just spending time together like I feel like even down to like little things like on Sundays like I'm not really like great at like going up to people and speaking to people so sorry for that guys but just like going up to like um older people like the other way around older people coming up to us and just speaking like having a normal conversation about like whatever and then like yeah it does come down to like hospitality like Matt said and stuff like that just spending time together like it doesn't always have to be just oh just the teens hang out just the um students hang out or just the singles like I feel like we can all kind of like integrate together sometimes yeah Yeah, and even where you sit on a Sunday if you sit in the same place every Sunday with the same people you're going to miss out on some of that diverse fellowship and so even mixing it up sometimes we get we get very traditional sometimes we don't even realize it right maybe we're more like that stained glass than we think sometimes in how we approach church on a Sunday and how we approach the fellowship And and that's an easy one right we're here you know we spend you know we have six meetings a month as a congregation where we're supposed to be coming together and, and are we seeking out new relationships and new people and introducing ourselves to one another? That's, that's great. Thank you. Um, we'll move on unless there's something else that was really pressing that you got, because I want you guys to be able to share these things. Amen. Um, the third question was, how can the church better give your generation more ownership and influence? This one's a little bit more controversial, perhaps, but we really want to hear. You know, how can we give you guys you know, more ownership and influence in the church? Any thoughts on that? Um, I'd say one thing that definitely helps is uh, well, we're, we're very grateful as, as, as the younger generation uh, for all the stories that we get to hear from like, you know, what happened in the church in the 80s and the 90s and, you know, and so on and so forth. And, um, but at the same time, I feel like we, could, uh, we also kind of now want to see God make his own history of our generation. And uh, um, sometimes, you know, I feel like uh, one, one thing I recently kind of un- came to understand um, in my walk with God is that I, I like to be in control of ev- everything sometimes. You know, like if I want, I want to make sure that it happens my way. Um, but then at the same time, there's this element of faith where you don't have control over everything. 
and God is in control and you have to give him your trust. And we have to just trust that for the younger generations, you know, the ideas that whatever we want to do, this is encouragement to, you know, our generation as well, you know, young man, come on guys. Um, <laughs> this is encouragement to kind of just step out on faith and, uh, and go forth and, and let God kind of write your stories with you. Um, that way, we'll have stories, you know, for the next generation to come as well. You know, we learn from the mistakes of the other generations, but we also make our mistakes, but we let God correct. Um, and so I think one, th- one thing that definitely would help would be just f- for us to at the same time, you know, um, same as kind of what I said before is just look at Jesus. Just keep looking at him. And, you know, as long as we do that, you know, we will, we will be going down the right path. We'll learn from our errors. But at the same time, I think it will be a, a fun ride because in the end we'll see what God has done and we can give him the glory for that. Okay, thanks. Other thoughts? So, uh, I'd, I'd like to say um, for the young people to... Um, be assertive. If you if you believe that there's something that you want to lead in, just say, "I would like to. I would like to take ownership of this. I'd like to be a part of this more. I'd like to sign lead. I'd like to lead a Bible talk. I'd like to lead a family group." Um, but also for um, the older generation to to encourage and to spur, because sometimes fear can cloud judgment. So you may want to do something, but you feel like maybe I can't or maybe it won't work. So sometimes it takes a little push to um to just to light the to light the fire um so yeah that's great thanks any other thoughts on that down the end there matt yeah i think also like maybe like the older generation not kind of always sticking with the status quo in the sense that when if the younger people have ideas or have you know they want to take ownership of the church in a sense allow them to sort of take risks in a way. Yep. Um, allow them to try things because, in the, like, say, for instance, for the older generation, you guys were, like, the first generation of this church, and so you could essentially do whatever you... Like, you could do what you want. You know, you, you guys did new things. You you did own the church, in a sense. Um, so I think for the younger generation, it could be easy just to kind of follow what's been done before, right. whereas, you know, we, we live in different times... And the young people have different dreams and different passions, and obviously it's not, it has to stay. In, it has to be a holy, has to stay within like a holy realm. <laughs> but um, just I think allowing the young people to express themselves and to try things really, um, not yep. being too restrictive. Yep. Maybe. Thanks. Just to finally kind of add to that, one practical thing I guess uh, I feel would really help I guess would be uh, for the older generation just to sometimes say, can we help with anything? Um, and could, that way I feel like uh, we'll just help and we grow and in that sense it, it builds greater unity in one side and it also helps I guess the younger generation to actually even well, when you ask that question I feel like well actually do I need help with anything or like what am I trying to do here because right. then once you understand what you want to do and you know if whatever ideas you have in your head you understand how you, you'd want to get there and maybe there's something that you can't you do yourself and that question can actually help us understand right. what we, as a generation, need to, to, to do to move right. towards uh, goals and dreams that we may have right. set ourselves in Christ. Yeah, so that balance of, of let us step up, but then also the church needs to guide that, that, that zeal and, and, and make sure it goes in the right direction. And again, if we're working on those relationships, a lot of that can be accomplished. Um, yeah, and then lastly here, um, you know, just maybe each of you briefly could share, you know, what, what, is, what is a vision or your vision 
uh, of the Birmingham church in the future? What's something you hope to see uh, in the Birmingham church in the future? You're on the spot. Now, now, you're, now you're all looking nervous. Oh, I have to answer that. Um, I really want to see um, a teen be discipled who didn't grow up in the church. Okay, yeah. Um, because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that hasn't really been done here in Birmingham. Okay. And I feel like those that particular teen could really make a difference for, like, yeah. not just the teens, but, like, the whole church. So that's, like, one of the things I really okay, want to see. Just great. for, like, just the teen ministry to grow in a sense that it's not just moving up from, like, preteens and stuff and then, like, gradually just get, getting baptized. Like, obviously, that's great. Right. But, like, seeing people from outside of church as well. Like, right. people teen who conversions. That's great. Thanks, Amy. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing as Amy. I think to see... Um, People have what we have here. So I think for myself, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, and so, like I said, one of the things that has been most impacting for me is to be a part of God's family. And so to have people who don't have that come in and experience what we have and what some people have grown up in, um, I think is an incredible dream and I'd love to see more of. Um, but I think also just in terms of us growing as uh, a church that is inspired by God's word um, and still learning about who God is. Um, so through conversations and just through how we live our lives, really showing that we're still a church and individuals that are in awe of God, um, because I think that's obviously the main attraction that we would ever have as right. a church. Right, thanks. Um, for me, I'd say my vision would be, because uh, I myself similarly uh, to Chids, I wasn't brought up in the church, so baptized three years ago when I moved to university and I just to see more people who weren't brought up in the church to, uh, just to, to be baptized and to come into the faith and, and that way you know we, uh, people you know in the teens that are, you know, are there right now and people who are even in kids kingdom right now you know these are people who are in the future are going to be then taking ownership of the teen ministry and the student ministry and so on and so, and so forth and so just to see these people be uh, empowered to, to then actually go forward and, uh, and, and run with their, with their future right. ministries. Right, great. Anybody else want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I guess to add to, add to those things, um, I'd like to see, or I, I can see, um, just, like, you know, people, more people becoming disciples, um, to have things such as, like, Bible talks in town, in right. uh, workplaces, in, like, the schools and in colleges and and things like that. Um, also, like within the church, to see people expressing themselves um, through their talents and worshiping through their talents, okay, like people right. who can sing, people who can dance, people who can act, people who can paint, like all these things to be used um, to to glorify God. You okay. know, um, yeah. just they they go out and people see them, and then we can bring them in and then show them the love of Christ. Right, right. Um, and also that the church, Birmingham Church, can grow in strength and in number, and that we end up sending out teams to ah, plant yeah. churches and to strengthen the smaller churches and things right, like that. Right, right. That's, that's kind of the thing. That's, that's great. So, yeah, that reminded me of a thing I heard this week. You know, we want to be a church that's known for its sending capacity more than its seating capacity. We often focus inward, but, but really the Great Commission, which is what I'm hearing from a lot of you guys shining through in your vision a huge part of that is sending people out, not not just filling our own our own pews. So that's that's great. Um, one more here, Matt, and then we'll move on. I think also, more like generally, just 
having the Birmingham church have more of an impact in Birmingham. Come on. In terms of like, I think, like, I don't think our church is very well known in Birmingham, so I don't know how we go about doing that, but obviously I think through serving the poor more would be one way. Um, like, so people actually would encounter us as we serve the needy. Right. Um, I guess through converting more people from different backgrounds as well. So, right. I don't know, more Muslim people or more like right. non-religious right. people. Um, and then maybe through, like, I don't know, technology or through the internet, ways of just sort of bringing awareness of our church. Um, so I think through different mediums, just making the Birmingham Church of Christ more impactful huh. to Birmingham as a whole. Amen. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the fact that you guys are already helping with that uh, and the way that you're living in our church. And that's why I wanted to ask each of you to be up here because I think you guys are all examples of that. And uh, thank you for sharing your answers uh, with us and your thoughts. A round of applause for our millennial panel here. Thank you very much. Give your mics to, to Roy here. Give your mics to Roy. Uh, that's awesome. And that can happen every time the church comes together. We can have these kinds of meaningful conversations uh, at our dinner tables, certainly at our services, and, and, and definitely at our family groups. I hope we're going to have these kind of conversations more and more. Um, you know, there's always a generational gap, right? Uh, that's always true in society uh, and just in humanity, right? Uh, but in the church, we can close that gap. God has given us the tools and the ability uh, through our humility before him and our love for him to work through those differences and actually allow those differences to become strengths and and become bridges uh, to do even greater things ultimately for God. Uh, And so young and old coming more and more together for for this to happen, uh, as we've been saying, the, the, the old must lift. Uh, but the young must live too. And that's really the challenge is, is we want to make sure that the, the older generation in our church as we, we enter our 30th year, that, that we finish strong. You know, that we're not pulling back, that we're Caleb's till the very end. But then that this next generation, that they, they, they pick up where we left off when we were their age. And they're doing great things for God. And, and I think this panel today is, is, is very encouraging to hear that they want to they make disciples. They want to impact this city. They want to turn the world upside down. Uh, for Christ. Um, and so we're going to look at this idea of lift up the young just, just from a great example, I think, of a young person who really lifted uh, in the New Testament, and that being uh, Timothy, who was, uh, of course, a, you know, a, a trainee, uh, you, know, uh, you know, someone who the Apostle Paul, a protege of him, an assistant, who really uh, was raised up and really lifted up uh, as a young person in Scripture. And so just two, two quick thoughts here. Uh, from Timothy's life for, for those of us who are a bit younger, and also I think it will help us uh, for the, you know, those who are a bit older uh, spiritually as well. And i gotta, I got to still work on less young, less young. You're, you're young or you're less young. Amen, I'll work on that. The first idea here from Timothy's life is to train up, to lift up. you got to train up. Uh, you know, what's interesting, when you look at successful generational transitions in the Bible uh, for, for, for God's people, is it often involves a leadership transition. You know, you think of Joshua. Well, you know, he was, of course, trained by Moses, right? And, and walked with him for, for many years before they entered the promised land. You know, I think of Solomon, how awesome he is. I've been reading Ecclesiastes in my, in my quiet times. But, of course, he was trained by his father, David. And even the temple was prepared, in a sense, to be built by his father, David. And then, of course, he built it. Uh, you know, I think of, you know, Elisha, an awesome prophet. But he was trained and he walked with Elijah, right, before he became uh, that great prophet, 
Uh, and then, of course, when you go to the New Testament, to me, the, one of the greatest examples of it, aside from Jesus with his 12, uh, because it's hard for us to relate to that, um, you know, is, of course, uh, Timothy with Paul. Uh, we first encounter Timothy, uh, you know, in the Bible in Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 5. Uh, it says there, uh, this is Paul beginning, about to begin his second missionary journey in the book of Acts. And it says, Paul came to Derby in Acts 16, verse 1, and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish, was Jewish, sorry, and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled along from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and grew daily in numbers. And so we first see Timothy here. His mother is a, is a Jewish convert to Christianity. His father's a Greek. He's not a Christian. Um, he, he, he is called by Paul, as the, the church speaks well of him, to step in with him and go on his second missionary journey. Uh, we see that he pays a great price in that initial call. As a grown man, he's circumcised so that he could be more relatable and reaching out to the Jews. Um, and so Timothy, you know, he, you know, from the get-go, he was willing to go after things, uh, you know, w- w- when God called him. Um, and so he starts here as Paul's aide, his assistant, his trainee, his protege, uh, you know, his, his, his disciple, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call that. And, of course, eventually uh, Timothy shows up much later in Scripture as the leader and the lead evangelist of the uh, church in Ephesus. Uh, Paul's later writings, First and Second Timothy, are addressed to Timothy uh, as he's leading the church in Ephesus, as it's going through um, its struggles. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're inspired by Timothy when we think about his life. And, and, and in the end, he actually became a martyr for the faith in Ephesus. And I'll share a little bit about that here as we close out our time. Uh, but we have to remember, as we look at Timothy, the training that he went through to get to that point where he could live that life and have that impact. And there's a clear New Testament pattern and generational transition on training, I believe, if you look at it. Paul, uh, again, is, is the precedent for this in many ways in his relationship with Timothy. He says in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 17, one of his earliest letters, he tells the church in Corinth, I urge you to imitate me. And then he goes on, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every Church and so Paul says clearly there's there's a pattern in the church that that, that that we're to see Jesus in other people and we're to imitate it and Paul was so confident uh, that Timothy was that kind of person with him as he was with Jesus that he could just send Timothy to Corinth and they would get the impact they would have if Paul himself would have showed up that's how serious that training relationship was uh, and so so that goes on right over time and then we see Paul. Uh, now, this is the last letter. 1 Corinthians is the first letter Paul writes in the New Testament canon. Second uh, Timothy is the last letter Paul writes in the New Testament canon. And this is almost, you know, n- nearly, you know, a decade to 15 years later, we see this same pattern. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul says, You then, and he's talking to Timothy, My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard me say. In the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And so if you look at this passage here, really Paul's talking about four generations, actually, of transmission of convictions and training. He talks about himself and how he passed it on to Timothy. 
but then he challenges Timothy to, to, to pass it on to others who will then also be qualified to then pass it on to even more. And so you see this idea of training through and through and through uh, this cycle, and it was meant to go well beyond Paul, well beyond Timothy, uh, from generation to generation. But training is, is, is a serious thing. It's not something that just happens. Uh, it's something I believe that the church is meant to equip people with and, and help people with and support people in. And, and I believe my job as an evangelist, one of my primary jobs, is to train and equip you guys as the church, according to Ephesians 4, to do what you need to do. Uh, and so it, it, it's a process. And our church, I think, has believed in this. Our church... Uh, historically has always invested in this idea. We call it discipling relationships. Uh, the young people up here even referred to it, this idea of having mentors, and, and you know, they, they, they brought them to, uh, you know, that idea uh, as well. And so if you're a young, young Christian in the room, youngish Christian in the room, some questions to ask yourself, what, what godly training are you going after? Are you seeking that out? You know, who are your Pauls, if you will? If you're going to be like, like Timothy and you're going to raise them to do great things for God... You have to ask yourself, well, who are your Pauls, spiritually speaking, in your life? You know, Matthew 28 says you make disciples, you baptize them. And the, and the third part is then you're taught to obey everything. In other words, another way is who is teaching you to obey everything uh, that Jesus has commanded? And I think it's important for the young people to understand you, you cannot lead well until you follow well. I'll say that again. You cannot lead well until you first learn how to follow well. And you won't even fulfill the Great Commission, Matthew 28, until you're taught to obey everything. And so young people in the room to lift up, and we want you to, you've got to be committed to training. You've got to be committed to training. And for the older Christians, for the older Christians in the room, you've got to train up as well. You know, we have to ask ourselves, and I consider myself an older Christian, having you know, been a Christian over 20 years, you know, am I living a life worthy of being imitated? Am I living a life where a young disciple would want to imitate me and want to be trained by me? Again, I think we have varying degrees of how much influence we should have based on our talents and abilities and life stages, but, but shouldn't all of us older Christians be an example? Shouldn't all of us older Christians be, be, be living a life that would inspire a younger Christian? But we've got to be training. We've got to make sure we're still being taught to obey everything Jesus commanded. Last time I checked, we're still all learning that, no matter how old spiritually we are. So the older Christians among us, we've got to commit to train up as well. If we're going to call the younger generation to that same standard. You know, Timothy, I think, wanted to follow Paul, right? Our lives must be worthy as older Christians of the, of the same to train up those who are younger. Uh, so, so to lift up, we've got to train up. And lastly here tonight, we've got to step up. To lift up the young, we've got to, we've got to train up and we've also got to step up. Um, you know, Paul was stepping up in Acts 16. You know, he's, he's going on this second missionary journey. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, Timothy had to step up right away. As a grown man to be circumcised, I'm not going to get into the details. That, that's stepping up right there. Uh, the man started his, his first day of ministry stepping up. Um, you know, Nick Potter moved here recently uh, from America doing his one-year challenge. Where's Nick? There he is in the back there. And uh, Nick, Nick just graduated from, from, from university in America. And rather than pursue his career, he said, I'm just going to go serve the kingdom of God. And the Spirit worked and brought him here to Birmingham, England. And, um, you know, he, he didn't know what he was getting into, obviously, having ma- made that decision. And... Um, and he doesn't have a similar story to Timothy, don't worry. But, um, but, but the reason I'm bringing this up is, is we tend to romanticize stepping up. We tend to, we tend to think, oh yeah, I want to step up, you know. And, 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 and sometimes stepping up is a really challenging thing. 
Uh, and Nick, you know, I, Nick, Nick is, you know, I see him every time I see him, you know, he's like, I'm like, how you doing? He's like, he's like, I'm good, but I'm tired, you know, because he's out there. He's sharing his faith five, six hours a day at the universities, uh, you know, down in the city. If you want to go share your faith right now, hang out with Nick. I've been doing it with him, and, and it's inspired me. He's just, he's just going for it. Um, he's, he's stepping up, right? And I believe God will use that uh, to change his life and to change the lives uh, you know, around him. And I want to commend him as a great example to the young people of someone stepping up among you, for sure. But, you know, as you step up, as I said, you know, it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be rewarding. You know, Timothy had no idea on that first day all the rewards spiritually that were going to come his way. And there were many, I'm sure, over time. He's canonized in Scripture. He's an inspiration still to this day. Uh, it's so inspiring, right, when young people step up. It's so inspiring. Paul talks about it, right, to Timothy in First Timothy 4. Verse 12, in the first letter he wrote to Timothy, he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Evidently, that's always a challenge, right? When we're young, we don't always get the credit maybe that we deserve. He says, But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so, and so Paul says, don't, don't focus on the critics. Don't focus on what you don't have. Just focus on being the best disciple you can be, Timothy. And if you can do that, he says, you're going you're to be an example that's going to inspire the church. And I think the biggest mistake young people can make in this idea of, yeah, I want to step up. I want to I step up for Jesus is, is we can focus too much on, on leadership and focus too much on our piece of the pie. Rather than just focusing on Jesus. Let me just be more like Jesus. Let me just humbly serve, humbly give my life, lay down my life every day. And then, amen, if God wants me to lead, I'll lead. If God wants me to do this in the church, then I'll do this in the church. And perhaps... You know, it's a combination of both. God puts it on your heart, and the church is ready for you, for you to do that. But, but if you're serving, loving, being like Jesus, you're becoming more and more that example. And that example, according to 1 Timothy 4.12, that alone is enough to really impact the church as you just step up and become a greater and greater disciple of Jesus. You know, Timothy, you know, he served in so many ways. He stepped up in so many ways uh, in Scripture. He was a missionary, as we saw here in Acts 16. He was a messenger in other letters. He was a scribe for Paul. He was a prison aide. Uh, he was a deliverer of, of contributions. He was a temporary evangelist. He was a permanent evangelist. You know, he, he played all kinds of roles uh, in the New Testament. You know, whatever the church needed, he seemed to say, I'll do it. He seemed to be willing to just step up into those gaps. He had a here am I, send me attitude. He was willing to do whatever. He was also willing to go wherever. You know, he, he shows up... Uh, working with the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 to 3. He shows up working with the church in Corinth, according to 1 Corinthians 4, 16, which we read earlier. Uh, we know he served the church in Philippi, according to Paul's letter in Philippians 2, 19 to 22. We know he actually served the church in Berea for a while, uh, according to Acts 17, verse 4 uh, from Luke. And we know he also, uh, for a while, and, and really at the end of his life, was the lead evangelist there uh, in the church in Ephesus. Uh, in this kind of submission to the church as a son, Timothy grew from, from a spiritual boy to a spiritual man. There, there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, the church, it calls us higher. It shapes us uh, from boys to men, from girls to women, as young people, as we submit to it and just simply serve it. As we just say, I'll step up and I'll do whatever, whenever, wherever, for, for the sake of the church. Uh, and we have to believe that God works through those kinds of decisions. Uh, I can see that in my life. How many times I've grown just by saying, I'm willing to step up and meet a need in the church. I'm willing to just fill in this gap. And then God, he, he always works in those moments. And right now, uh, we, need, we need the young people in the church to step up. There are needs. 
Uh, the sound system. It's great that we have the sound system and we have brothers and sisters who are actually doing double duty before every Sunday. The sound team, uh, the, the worship team comes in, they set up all the sound stuff, then they practice for the worship, and then, they, and, then, and then they service. But it would be great if we could have some young, you know, able-bodied, intelligent young people to, to, to come up at 3 o'clock, 2.45, and help the sound team. We put that out there a while ago, and there's still crickets chirping. We haven't quite filled that position. You know, there, there, there's still a gap there, and some young people could step into that gap, and God would work through that. Uh, you know, we want to revamp the website. Chris Grober's working working on that. He's he's got some great ideas, but he needs a team of people to to, to make our, our our church more millennial friendly through our website. But we need some other millennials to help Chris out to make that happen. Uh, and there are other needs, you know. And so there are some gaps right there I can give you right now that you can help step into. So talk to those people. Talk to Martin. Talk to Mwamba. Talk to Roy about the sound. Talk to talk to Chris about the website. And as you do that, you, you are maturing, you are, you are, you are growing. Um, and so when, when we say step up to the young people, it's not usually lead and take over. It's more like step in the gaps. One day you will take over. One day you, you may be leading. Uh, but, but in the meantime, let's just fill in the gaps. In other words, grow where you are planted. Grow where you are planted uh, is always a great place to start. Timothy, he kept doing that. He kept stepping up in his whole life, and he set a pattern that grew and shined over time. And, and, and tradition states that Timothy died uh, in Ephesus when he was over 80 years old. And so he, he lived a strong Christian life for a long time. According to the first chapter of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and this is church tradition, uh, it's not canonized in scripture. According to that, he died in 97 AD upholding the truth of the Bible, as, as Paul called him to uh, in First and Second Timothy. Fox's Book of Martyrs states he was the uh, leader of Ephesus and he was murdered when he told a crowd of pagans that their idolatrous celebrations were ridiculous. And so, so Timothy, you know, he, he, stood, he stood his ground in the face of, of, of paganism uh, in his time and was martyred. Uh, but I would say from the beginning to the end, he, you know, he trained up and he stepped up. Uh, and, and, and he lived an inspiring life. Um, I read this quote. Uh, it's from the Social Sources of Denominations. And it's actually a very scary quote. It says, Rarely does a second generation hold the convictions... It has inherited with the fervor equal to its fathers, who fashioned these convictions in the heat of conflict and at the rush of martyrdom. But that's what I love about Timothy. In the heat of conflict and the rush of martyrdom, he was just like the Apostle Paul. There, there was no gap in the convictions. There was no gap in the faith. He, he lived just as Paul lived, as a second-generation Christian. And I really want to encourage the young people in our church, you know, what are you fighting for and who are you fighting with? Are you, are you fighting evil? Are you fighting, you know, a lack of holiness? Are you, are you fighting to seek and save the lost? Or are you starting to turn that fight inward, fighting with each other or fighting with the, the established part of the church? That's, that's, not, that's not where you're going to forge your faith. You're going to forge your faith out there fighting for Jesus, proclaiming his name in a lost and dark world. And so this, this second generation in our church, as we approach 30 years, we've got to really make sure we're fighting for the right things. And if we're fighting for the right things, we can finish strong just like Timothy did in his life. And so if you're younger, as we close out here, in light of Timothy, when you are 80, what kind of Christian will you be? And what kind of church will you lead? The decisions you're making right now, they're setting a trajectory in the right path or, 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 or down the wrong path. Start thinking about 
those decisions. Are, you know, are you training up and are you stepping up as God would intend for you? Uh, and for the older uh, ones, uh, ones among us, are, you know, are we committed to letting them step up? And, and, and are we committed to helping them and, and, and training the young people uh, so that we can move forward together? Uh, and so today, you know, old and young and all everywhere in between, let's commit to lifting up the young. Amen? Uh, uh, next Sunday, I'm excited. We're going to close out our time. We're going to come together as one, young and old, as we close out with lift up the church. Because young, old, black, white, Asian, English, you know, this is the church. Even Americans, amen. This is the church. And so ultimately, we want to really, as we talk about this idea of lift, we want to lift together as the church. And Hugh McCartney is going to be bringing that next Sunday. Uh, Let's keep this in our prayers. Let's keep this in our conversations. This idea of generational lift. And I believe God will continue to work. Uh, And the Birmingham Church of Christ said, amen. Thank you, guys.